Welcome back to the Legacy of Your Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And on this podcast, we talk about five main topics, marriage, money, mindset, health, and faith with a goal of generational change, meaning we work on becoming just 1% better every single day in one or more of these areas so that we can heal. And ultimately, that is going to lead to an overflow that our children will see And this is how we stand strong in our purpose as mothers. You know, it's not just about teaching them, our children, to do better than us or asking them, you know, do as I say, not as I do. It's about taking the time and energy to work on ourselves. And I believe that that is going to automatically lead to a lifestyle change or conversations that are going to be so much more impactful for our babies. And we all want our ceiling to be our children's floor. And this is how and where we start with the small, seemingly insignificant, positive choices and conversations and thought patterns that we choose to do daily. And so you guys, we're going to continue to chat about marriage and money today. Last week was week one of this three-part series. And as I've said a million times, finances touch absolutely everything. They touch our marriage, our relationships, our experiences as a family. I could go on, right? And because it touches everything and it's so interconnected with just about everything we do, it becomes a common thing that people argue about. And financial issues are one of the leading causes for divorce. And so, like I said last week, I got really curious about what exactly that means. Like, what exactly are the reasons couples are arguing about money to the point of divorce? And I found on Business Insider the top 12 main reasons that couples argue about money. And so I decided that I was going to talk about each of these reasons and kind of talk through some ways to help navigate these issues if you see this in your marriage. And last week, I went through the first four arguments. And this week, we're going to go through arguments five through eight. Obviously, next week, nine through 12. Okay. So make sure to subscribe wherever you are listening so you don't miss any episodes. And you can also find me on Instagram at Legacy Through Motherhood, where I'll be talking through some of these topics this week. And I would absolutely love to hear from you. So if you had not listened to last week's yet, I would go back and listen to that. But the first four arguments that we talked about were number one, opposing attitudes towards money. Number two, mismatched financial priorities. Number three, credit card debt. And number four, financial infidelity. Okay, so I'm not going to go into those today. That was last week. But this week, we're going over the next four. And the next four are number five, overextending your budget. Number six, the inability to compromise on spending. Number seven, unexpected major expenses. And number eight, stress from combining bank accounts. Okay, so number five, overextending your budget. So to me, you guys, this kind of hits close to home because this is what we freaking did. (laughs) Justin and I got married when I was, it was a summer after my junior year in college. And once I graduated and got my like big kid job, you know, and made a decent income as a teacher, my husband's a couple years older. Uh, He's three and a half years older than me. So he actually was already in his, you know, adult job and we, we had our first baby and we decided to stretch ourselves and get our dream home kind of right off the bat. And then kind of came the nice cars because we could quote unquote afford the payments. And you know, it's all exciting. Like it's exciting when all of a sudden you're not working your teenage job and you start to make a bigger income for the first time. Like (laughs) 38,000 seems like a million dollars, right? When you're 21. Turns out it's not really like a million dollars. But then 
when you combine it with your spouse's income, it starts to seem like it's way bigger than it actually is again. And so, you know, we get excited and we feel like we are ready for these big shiny things our parents have at like 50, right? Well, we wanted at 22. (laughs) And Justin and I were in this house for about three years before we started, three to four years before we started realizing that we had overextended ourselves and that we were working like crazy just to have a house we were never at because we had to work all the time. And we were working to pay for cars that freaking sat in a parking lot all day long. And we were paying a ton of money for our boys to be watched by someone else so that we could, I don't know what, live in that house and have those cars. Like when you have to work in the job you have, because you have to pay your bills, tension can begin. And listen, money makes the world go round, right? Of course, we have to work to pay bills, but there's a difference. And you know what I'm talking about. When you get stuck in a job that you hate, or like us, you know, my husband was in retail working nights and weekends, and it was a freaking mess. (laughs) We never saw each other, especially over the holidays. And it just seemed so stupid and so far off from what I thought this life was going to look like, but you know, you may find yourself or your husband stuck, stuck in a job that you absolutely hate, but maybe it's a good paying job. So there's zero option for you to quit or pivot. And that stress can build up and build up and it can build resentment. And listen, this can literally be, you know, let's just say your husband like mine is in retail and wants to not do retail. So he's working more normal hours, but can't take kind of a nine to five job with a pay cut because you've overextended yourselves. Or maybe you've got a bunch of little babies at home and you are like about to pull your hair out and you need to be able to get out of the house. You want to go back to work because you loved your job, but you can't afford childcare because you literally wouldn't even, your income would completely cancel out because of childcare, right? And so we were kind of stuck. And I think that when we overextend ourselves, this is where we can find ourselves. Like I started hating (laughs) my dream house. I was annoyed at my cars. I was ready to go buy a double wide out on like an acre somewhere. If that meant that I could have my husband back for the holidays and for evenings. And so that I could be the one to raise my babies. I never thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom until I had kids. And here I am. But oftentimes... We're overextended because, you know, I I think it's so normal to put on some rose-colored glasses when we are, you know, about to take that next step and go into that next chapter of getting a house and cars or whatever else. And to make it super relevant, you guys, let's chat about this housing market we are in right now. You know, Justin and I talk all the time right now about how nervous we are about people getting so impatient in this, and I can't even say impatient. I know people have been waiting a long time, but in this housing market right now, and for the record, if you're listening to this like a future date and time, right now it is February of 2021. I live in Ohio and people are offering like $30,000 over asking price and even having cash to cover the appraisal gaps because the houses aren't pra- appraising that high. And you guys are still not winning the homes. Like that's not enough <laughs> to, to get the house. Um, you know, when you put your house in the market, typically there's like a hundred people like knocking, either knocking at your door, emailing you, emailing your realtor. Like it's crazy town right now. But I know 
Some people are just completely overextending themselves because they want to get into a house so freaking bad and and for good reason. You know, we we were having kids, our house is too small, we're living with our in-laws, like whatever it might be, but man, I am like really sad to think about how many people are going to be overextending themselves right now in this housing market and then just be freaking stuck. And not just stuck, like stuck for a while because even 5 years to now, 5 years from now, you know when people may start to realize like, man, this payment is too much and they realize that a house is really just a house. They can't really sell and get themselves out of that situation because they bought it at the not even at the top of the market. It is over $30,000 over the top of the market. And so even in five years, 10 years, the house isn't even going to be worth what they paid, you know? Anyways, here is my two cents on this issue as far as overextending yourselves. Number one, your mortgage payment should be no more than 25% of your take-home pay, says Dave Ramsey. And that is because this gives you margin, And the choice to pivot if someone wants to change careers or go back to work or whatever that might look like. And so a lot of people argue this um, percentage and say that that's not like, you know, that, that doesn't work, that doesn't make sense, like whatever. But the truth is having our homes now, figuring out money, um, having four rental homes also, I really, really believe in this. Because it just, you don't want your house to take away choices. You don't want a house that, you know, you are literally have to work 80 hours a week to be in. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But number two, if you are overextended, get rid of it. (laughs) Get rid of it. I know that's easier said than done. You guys, it was such a hard decision to sell our house. You guys, I wanted my grandbabies to walk up that driveway one day. Like I wanted our lifetime memories to be in that home, but I knew that it was freaking holding us back. And we also felt stupid for buying my husband a nice Audi, which was his dream car, and then selling it and losing money on it a freaking year later because we realized it just wasn't a smart financial decision. You know, We didn't just want a nice car or a beautiful house. We wanted to be together and just to have more choices. So gone they went. (laughs) I talk about my journey more in episode 19 if you want to listen to to that whole, whole story. But you guys, no material thing is worth your family. And guess what? (laughs) We downsized to a house about, I don't know, a thousand square feet smaller than what we had right after I had my third. And let me tell you, My babies run around this house just like they did in my dream house. We have dinner around our table, the same one that was in that house. They play in the sprinkler and eat popsicles in the backyard just like they did at that old house. Your house does not define your memories as a family. You guys do. You guys do. And side note to that, selling cars and houses is is a freaking big decision. (laughs) It is not one that happens overnight. And honestly, in this market with a house, if you sold it, you would make bank, but then you wouldn't really have anywhere to go. But it is okay. It is okay to downsize if you are overextended. Not that you need my permission to do so, but from someone that has done it and has struggled with the feelings of it, I'm telling you it's lighter on this end. Okay, number six reason for arguments in 
marriage, the inability to compromise on spending. So this kind of goes hand in hand with the first argument we talked about last week, which was having different priorities when it came to your finances. But the the wording, the wording of this, the inability to compromise on spending. So I want to kind of take a different approach because this kind of raises some flags here for me. So let's take a different approach on this one because actually after last week's episode, I was talking with my mom and she was talking about the difference of having a money problem or having a marriage problem. And there really is a distinction there. And Dave Ramsey will say bad relationships cause money messes and money messes can cause bad relationships. So my first thought when it says there is an inability to... I mean, really anything, you name it, then that screams a marriage problem to me and not a money problem. Now, individually, there may be money issues kind of deep down on both sides. You know, if one side wants to spend a ton and the other doesn't, whatever. We talked about that some last week also. But if you cannot compromise in something as big as money in your marriage, because again, money touches everything. That's, you, we got to have that. <laughs> But if you cannot compromise even a little bit, then I would say you have a bigger problem than money. But I will still fall back on my advice from last week and say that spending priorities and boundaries could be drastically easier for everyone if you both have a pulse on your finances instead of just one of you. Now, if it's a difference of priorities, let's say, you know, one of you wants to spend the spending money on going out to eat and the other one wants to spend it on, I don't freaking know, clothes, then split the difference. You know, I mean, it's not that simple, but it kind of is. This is why I'm so big on miscellaneous money and your budget or fund money, whatever you want to call it. So basically that is just a set amount of spending money that makes sense within your budget that each person can spend completely guilt-free. So if one person wants to spend all of their miscellaneous money on hot Cheetos and Mountain Dew, have at it, right? And if the other person wants to spend it on clothes, go for it. Now, this only becomes an issue when there is a lack of respect for your income and your spouse. Like let's say one spouse is out spending all of the extra money at a bar after work, just bottoms up, and then refuses to stop and is acting like a child (laughs) when you you know, tell them we don't have that money or that money was for the mortgage or what are you doing? That is our grocery money or whatever else, right? Like then that is a marriage problem. That is not a money problem. Thank you, mother, for the prompt to differentiate the two (laughs) of those in this podcast. Now, if you guys set a miscellaneous amount of money and he chooses to, you know, use his $25 a week on a couple drinks a couple days after work, then so be it. No problem, right? But when there is a clear disregard to having any kind of financial responsibility, that's where my kind of my help (laughs) will fade and maybe a counselor should kind of come in at that point, which I'm all for. We talk about counselor um, being in counseling all the time here. So, you know, evaluate your situation and, and listen, hear me on this. Talking about money in general can cause friction because We have been conditioned not to talk about it. There's a lot of shame and guilt there. doesn't matter. We also, I mean, almost all of us, find ourselves looking back at like dumb financial decisions, feeling really dumb, (laughs) like we should have known better. And it's true. Like maybe in some cases we should have or we did, but our habits just didn't really support that. And the truth is 
And another thing I absolutely love to uh, quote from Dave Ramsey is he says this, so you've messed up with money. Congratulations for being over 12 years old. (laughs) So just because there is tension and a differing of money views doesn't mean there's a marriage problem, you guys, but you both made vows to be in this thing together. So you got to wade through this part together. I talked about my money mindset course Entrusted last week, and that is just a resource that is always there to support you guys if you want to learn more about how your money mindset is really one of the biggest drivers in your financial life. And if your husband or wife, you know, has a different money mindset than yours, that's where tension can build. But that is, that can be a breeding ground for just better and better and better communication for an amazing testimonial and whatever else. But you both have to be aware of where you come from and what you believe about money to its core before you're able to actually kind of blend those two together. And I personally think that this course is 100% financial self-care and can help you guys so, so, so much. So I talked about that some last week. Link will be in the show notes if you want to check out more information on that. Okay, so number seven, unexpected major expenses can cause an argument in marriage. Well, this is kind of self-explanatory. I think like 80%, somewhere around there, of people or whatever, live paycheck to paycheck. So if something unexpected happens, of course, it's going to be stressful and cause an issue. And here's my answer to this. Get it together now, you guys, like right now, like February, what is this? 29th, February 29th of 2021. Get it together. You know, don't wait for a crisis. Don't wait until this happens where there's some big unexpected major expense. And don't live life waiting for the other shoe to drop either. But it's, you also have to be prepared, especially if you have babies. I want to tell you a quick story about a budget client of mine that literally moves me to tears almost every time I think about it and we talk. So if you don't know, I'm a budget coach. I work with families for 90 days and I coach them. I create their budget for them. And we walk through all the ups and downs life has to offer you know, in those 90 days. And we create a budget that works for them in whatever season of life they're in. And then we work paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck for 90 straight days. It is amazing, amazing, amazing work. And there's so much breakthrough. But one of my clients, her name is Mandy, and she started, and by the way, she gave me the permission to to talk about this and post this. Um, But she started and she signed up with me about seven months ago. I believe it was September of 2020. And they were behind in payments with no savings. And after 90 days of working together, she had $1,000 in savings. We were caught up on all of her bills and had paid off, I think, at least one, maybe two credit cards, maybe two smaller ones. And they even planned their honeymoon after 12 years of marriage because they could finally afford to take the drip completely guilt-free. But about 60 days or so in, car issues kind of drained her savings and she was completely crushed, like completely crushed. You know, it is so frustrating to finally start to like make decisions and, you know, do the daggone thing just to have something as annoying as freaking car issues, which are the worst. I would rather have my roof fall off (laughs) than like a car issue. Okay. That's a, that's a internal thing for me. But anyways, you know, they just, they worked so hard 
including her, you know, her husband was working overtime to make this budget work and just so that their debt payoff plan could go as smoothly as possible. Well, after that 90 days, she actually decided to do another 90 days just so that we could keep trucking along and keep the accountability. And they built their savings back off. They paid off the rest of the credit cards they had and they paid a car off. I mean, amazing, right? But then the unexpected happened around the holidays as if 2020 wasn't hard enough for her or anyone else, right? Her husband actually received a completely unexpected diagnosis of MS. And needless to say, um, they had to take off work and he wasn't always up for working or working overtime for that matter during, you know, times when it would flare up. And you guys, she just texted me this past week the end of February of 2021, that they just paid their last car off and they have no more active debt. (laughs) Cue all the tears because seven months ago, they had no idea that this was going to be a card in their deck, right? Now, if he needs to take a break because he's not feeling great, he can completely guilt-free because they have lowered their monthly expenses so, so, so much and they have a savings. And we're actually about to fade out working with each other because she's taking the wheel now and it's full speed ahead financially for them. And, you know, she now has the choice to care for her husband and her husband, who is an amazing, amazing man, has the choice to rest without any kind of financial pressure or burden on him, like they're going to fall behind or not be able to pay their mortgage or whatever it might be because he is unable to work. That burden is off of them. And I mean, again, you guys don't wait for, you know, another shoe to drop, but Mandy and I were talking today and she's just so thankful that she decided to take this journey seven months ago. It was literally a godsend for their family so that they were prepared for what they are going through right now. And listen, I'm just a guide. Who am I? <laughs> her and her husband, you know, were the were the hero in their own story. Like they made the decision to make the change. They made the decision to seek help. They made the decision to trust the process. And sure, I mean, I help guide them because I've been on that journey, you know. I help provide some clarity, but they did the work. Like they followed through and they will forever be reaping the rewards of that decision. And what an honor it was to coach them. And you know how direct sales companies kind of have to say like results not typical <laughs> when they share a success story? Well, I am so thankful. I don't, I don't have to say that. Like Mandy's story is unique because it is her story. But the results of debt payoff and having a savings and becoming either completely debt-free or closer and closer is so typical. Because when you have accountability and you have a plan and you have some clarity, I mean, stuff starts to change (laughs) very quickly. So my advice to you is get it together today. Monday, February 29th of 2021 is the day you start. I don't care that it wasn't January 1st. I want you to start today with anything, with something. And remember I said at the very beginning, 1% better. We're not trying to revamp your finances overnight. I'm not trying to revamp your marriage overnight. What is one thing that you can do today to help your marriage and to help 
your financial situation. If you are looking for some coaching, go to simsarrows.com slash budget dash coaching for more info. I do have one spot opening in March and a couple in April. I'll have that in my show notes if you're interested. Okay. Lastly for today, number eight, the stress of combining bank accounts. Okay. I'll be honest. This one throws me off a little bit only because I've never felt this personally. I was really excited to combine bank accounts and start our life together with Justin when we got married. With that said though, I was 21 when we got married and I wasn't really like set in my ways or anything. So I can see how if you are set in your ways financially and all of a sudden someone else can see like everything you're doing, it could be a little bit stressful and vulnerable. Also, if you combine your account with someone without really understanding their financial habits, that can be really shocking. So I understand how this could lend itself to a stressful situation just in general, especially if you kind of still have that view of this is my money and this is your money. And not necessarily in a bad way or because you want to be like that, but it's natural, right? Combining any two lives together in any area is an adjustment. But here is my thought with this. Number one, be open about your finances before you combine accounts. What are the goals that you have? Who is going to be the driver? I talked about that last week. I think a lot of times with anything, literally anything in life, unsaid expectations can lead to some letdown or disappointment. So get really clear with one another beforehand. Uh, Typically, premarital counseling has a section for financial um, talk beforehand. But that way you guys can really merge onto this financial highway together instead of completely cutting each other off. And number two, I also know of people who cannot join bank accounts because their spouse will spend all of their money the second it hits the account. And this, unfortunately, is a marriage issue, not a money issue. And this is actually one of the exact conversations that my mom and I specifically had this past week. I won't go into details, but this is tough and it breaks my heart because there's a lot at play here, right? Like there is money issues on their part or, you know, hell, it could be your part. (laughs) But then there's this sense of feeling like your spouse is a child when it comes to finances. And that's, that's not fun for either of you. Nobody wants to be on either side of that. But truthfully, your spouse could be a child, you know, when it comes to money. Like I said at the beginning, money touches everything. And many people are not explicitly taught about money or the power it can have over you. And there is a lot, a lot, a lot that happens in your brain when you spend money. Between the dopamine and a list of other things, it is addicting, you know? And depending on what you spend money on, that's like a double addiction because it, number one, it's addicting to spend money. Number two, it, if you're spending it on food, food could be your addiction, you know, like that's a double whammy. So, I mean, you don't give an alcoholic access to a bar and you don't give a shopaholic unlimited access to your checking account that is used to pay your bills and keep a roof over your head and food on the table. So again, you know, some people absolutely love having separate accounts and it is a very conscious choice and they have made a way to make it work. I'm not arguing that on here, (laughs) even though I think that if you have a healthy 
relationship that is imperfect, but who have two good, well-intentioned people, I think a joint bank account is the way to go just for added accountability. Um, but I'm not going to argue with you <laughs> necessarily if you have found a great way to work with two separate accounts, especially if you guys have full reign over both, you know, it might just be easier logistically. But anyways, um, but if it has to happen, if it has to happen, the two separate bank accounts, because there is no trust there, it may be time to seek a counselor, be it a financial counselor or a marriage one. There may be just some healing that needs to happen before that can look differently, both for the both of you, for the two of you, but also individually as well. Okay, so there you have it. The next four reasons couples fight so much about money in marriage and some of my advice to overcome those challenges. I know it's all either easier said than done, but you gotta start somewhere, right? 1%. And typically that somewhere is knowing your numbers, compassion, and then communication, and then outside help when needed. And don't forget, you guys, to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next and last episode in this series where we will continue to uncover the reasons that money in marriage is difficult and take steps to just help ease that burden together. And I look forward to walking with you to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace. Mm-hmm.